I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. The recent 2014 Healthcare Information Security Today survey found a number of trends concerning breaches and risk assessments among the approximately 200 senior executives from hospitals, integrated delivery systems, physician group practices, and other health-related entities that took part. Today I'm speaking with Kate Wharton, principal of security consulting firm The Marblehead Group. Kate will give us her assessment of some of our survey's key findings and the difficulties that she sees among healthcare organizations when it comes to breaches and risk assessment. Hi, Kate. Hi, Marianne. Of those respondents participating in our survey, 37% said their organizations had no breach of any size in 2013, and 53% said their business associates had no data breaches in the previous 12 months. My question for you, do you think it's possible that more organizations are experiencing breaches than they realize? And is it possible that incidents are not being properly assessed for breach notification under HIPAA omnibus, or perhaps even worse, not being detected or reported at all? Marianne, I think you're exactly right. Unfortunately, even though this is not a new topic for healthcare. There are still so many organizations that I encounter where they are still struggling with what constitutes protected health information. If you don't even understand that, let's say, a list of patients at your practice printed out and gets dropped in the parking lot, if you don't recognize that simply a patient's name associated with your organization is PHI and has to be treated as an incident and investigated to determine if, in fact, that HIPAA violation, which it is, rises to the level of a breach, which it may or may not, then I think you clearly are missing out. And I think this is uh, all too common. So I think to your point, I suspect there are many more breaches occurring that aren't even recognized, and it has to be at the ground level, the individuals. This isn't just manager training. This is workforce-wide. So recognizing what is an incident to be reported, and then, and then the second issue is our organizations actually identifying, oh, this is a privacy-slash-security incident. I need to go through that process that HHS laid out in the omnibus rule and actually even in the interim final breach notification rule. So now, what do you think are the best ways for organizations to improve their breach detection? Technology is wonderful, and I think any reasonable technology that we have, we should be using. I noticed in the survey more and more organizations are actually implementing some data loss prevention or DLP technologies I think the prime technology that comes out in the survey that's, and uh, also if we look at the over 500 individuals affected breaches on the wall of shame, there's still a, a lot that we have to do to get control of mobile portable devices and media. So I think encryption is something that should be a no-brainer, not that it's trivial to implement, especially if it's not on your own devices but user-owned. But I think we have a long way to go. Too many organizations still haven't figured out what is our policy. Are we going to permit our workforce to use their own computers? And that goes down to tablets and smartphones for work purposes. And if so, 
what kinds of protections are we going to impose? If you're going to use your own smartphones, these are the rules you have to play by. I think that's a, a huge technological challenge that we still haven't really largely met. And the other is my pet topic, it seems lately, is workforce training. Most of the organizations, if not all, that I deal with, I think fall way short in terms of the content and delivery of adequate workforce training. Now, you touched upon a lot of this, that some of our survey respondents in how they're planning to tackle breach prevention in 2014, 63% of them said stepping up training on privacy and security issues. 50% said implementing audit tools to enhance detection of unauthorized access. 42% said implementing encryption of all mobile devices and removable media. 37% said implementing encryption of all end-user devices, and 35% said implementing data loss prevention systems. Overall, is there something that's most overlooked or forgotten about by organizations that they should be making better use of, or is there any sort of technology that is generally underdeployed? Well, I think your survey is on target, though there's not one single area that stands out or one single solution. I often say information security is a model for applicability of continuous improvement. We should be thinking of our information security programs as constant, ongoing, active programs that are looking for continuous improvement, uh, iterative processes that identify where are the problems, what can we do better. So it's complex, and I think, as I said, all of those responses are often weak areas. Uh, I just would have preferred seeing higher numbers. As I said, I think training, for example, is a very weak area, and a lot of organizations don't recognize their own weaknesses, say, in training. I think more organizations should be rolling out encryption. Perhaps you can interpret those numbers to mean that if it's something short of 100%, that they've already done it. But the fact is that I come across many, many organizations that have started with, say, encrypting all their laptops, and they haven't gone to the next step. That's the easiest piece, and it's usually the, the starting point. Let's encrypt all of the laptops that we issue and control and configure. But that's not good enough. That's just the starting point. I Again, I wish those numbers were higher and more organizations were really moving forward on all of those fronts that you mentioned. For organizations or business associates that did have a breach in 2013, the major impact included subsequent changes in security procedures and training. But for some, the fallout also included lawsuits, regulatory penalties, employee terminations, and most of all, damage to reputation. When it comes to the fallout of breaches, what do you think organizations should be most worried about, and how should they best be prepared to deal with the aftermath of a breach? Once again, I think your survey really pinpoints all of the issues, the variety of negative consequences that any organization in healthcare otherwise faces with a breach. I just read that Target is facing 
a gazillion legal cases all over the country. Their revenue fell way off, so they're getting a reputation hit, lawsuit hit, all sorts of things. Uh, more and more organizations that I deal with, one change in just recent years is they are buying cyber insurance, uh, cybersecurity protection, and each policy has to be looked at closely in terms of what would be covered. But that is something that I think has changed just in recent years that uh, organizations are doing doing more of that. But that just helps alleviate a little bit of the, the financial hit. It doesn't really deal with things like future revenue and reputation losses and so on. Again, I think the the way to to deal with it is reduce the likelihood that you're going to have a breach, which means a stronger information security program to begin with. I think incident response plans are also a very weak area, and as I mentioned, workforce training. So if the general workforce doesn't know what's expected of them in terms of appropriate behavior as well as recognizing where there's a problem, a misdirected fax or some of the things that too many people think are, are minor glitches and, well, we don't need to really worry about that. It just went to some other doctor's office. Well, that's a violation of HIPAA. It needs to be investigated. So being proactive, beefing up your information security program with lots of, you know, the technologies, the training. To me, training is the most bang for the buck, the greatest value for the dollar. Uh, training can be used to compensate for weaknesses, say, in technology and other processes. So I just can't stress enough the value of a really robust information security and privacy training program. When it comes to the biggest security threats that organizations face, our survey respondents said that they're most worried about mistakes by staff members, 35%, the growing use of mobile devices, including bring-your-own-device trend, and that's 15%, business associates taking inadequate security precautions for protected health information, that was 13%. Also 13% was loss or theft of devices or electronic media. 11% was insider threats, such as record snooping and identity theft. And only 7% was hackers attempting to access records or to use servers for other purposes such as gaming. So now, what do you think are the biggest security threats facing healthcare entities? What threat should they be most concerned about, really, in your mind? Well, I might disagree with some of the percentages, but the overall perception that it's us, folks. (laughs) It's our own people who are most likely to be at the cause of, of a breach. I think that is absolutely the case. For so many years, there's been so much hype about the external hackers, and it's true. They're definitely out there, and they're definitely doing bad things, identity theft and so on. But I think for healthcare organizations and for their business associates, for most, the big threat are uh, the people inside or come from the insiders. I would, I'm would. i a little concerned about the perception that the vast majority here, the largest percentage, 35%, are simply listed as mistakes by staff members. That, again, goes to my case that I make about training. You have policies, you have procedures, and then you have to teach people 
what are the right things to do and the wrong things to do in terms of behavioral expectations. And when people don't do the right thing, for example, when managers forget to notify the IT department that some business associate no longer needs access, that's not a mistake. That's a violation of the organization's policy, and that could definitely lead to a breach. So I would not be maybe as generous in simply attributing these to mistakes. I'm not sure what a mistake means. Now, um, a fax that's sent to the wrong recipient, well, if you use the fax number that you had been given and it had been recently verified and the person who gave it to you, and let's say in a different organization, simply gave you the wrong number, then that's something that really wasn't your organization's fault. So there certainly are cases where it's just something bad that happened that you couldn't have prevented. But I think many of the things that happen inside our organizations are absolutely preventable. Just like we talk about preventable medical errors, you know, these are definitely preventable violations and breaches that occur. So again, I just not not sure I would call so many of them mistakes. But I think the other issues, mobile devices and loss and theft of such devices, insider records snooping, I think these are all, uh, unfortunately, very real causes for concern. Switching gears a little, as we all know, security risk assessments have been a weak spot at many healthcare organizations and federal regulators have been ramping up their scrutiny of HIPAA risk assessments. So with that in mind, it appears that our survey shows that more organizations are looking at this more seriously. In fact, this year, three-quarters of respondents said they conducted a risk assessment in 2013 compared with last year's survey, which found only two-thirds of entities conducting a risk assessment within the last year. So now with that said, do you think organizations are starting to take risk assessments more seriously? And what are the biggest mistakes that you see organizations making in their risk assessments? I am seeing certain covered entities stepping up risk assessments, whether they're performing them internally or bringing in a consultant. And I think uh, in many cases it is directly related to applying for meaningful use incentive payments. So one of the criteria for receiving the Medicare and Medicaid incentive payments is someone has to attest that, yes, our organization has performed a security risk assessment as required by the HIPAA security rule, and we have addressed or we're mitigating the significant problems we've identified. So I think that is a major driver in the past year or so, uh, and many more organizations are doing it. But I also think that it's very distressing that this is very often the first risk assessment an organization has ever performed, in spite of the fact that this has been a requirement since 2005. I have a certain amount of sympathy because there isn't a nice cookie-cutter approach to this. I do recommend that organizations or whoever is responsible for performing risk assessment read the NIST document to learn a little background or HHS's version to understand some basic concepts and terms in terms of what is a vulnerability, what is a threat, what are the factors you look at with risk, which are the likelihood and the impact. So getting the concepts of it so you understand how to approach it. I think the other area that is not being done are 
compliance audits, and again, those are required, but often not done. That's a bit easier because you can use the HIPAA security rule as your starting point to walk through each and ensure that you're complying and, and ensure that you have documented evidence of that. So. I think it's a, a bit distressing or shocking that they haven't been done in the past. I'm glad that organizations are doing it now. There are many different ways to approach it. As HHS says, a checklist isn't sufficient, so it's common to see a smaller organization simply using some vendor checklists. It doesn't go far enough. really doesn't. And I think to do a risk assessment really properly, you need someone, whether it's internal or external, who has some security background so they really get it, they really understand, or somebody who's willing to put in the time to teach themselves to learn, uh, and there's certainly a lot of resources out there. It's, it's still a struggle for many organizations. It's still very much a question of, gee, for meaningful use, do we just have to look at the certified electronic health record? Do we just look at the technology? Are we supposed to be looking at policies and procedures? Do we need to do a risk assessment on any other system? Well, any organization, uh, even a small office, is likely to have PHI in a practice management system, for example, as well as in the EHR or in billing systems, all kinds of, you know, PHI is everywhere, even in small organizations. So the answer is yeah, you better be looking at risk to PHI wherever it is and in whatever form. So I think this is still very problematic for covered entities as well as for business associates we haven't even really touched on. Again, many business associates are very new to this, very new to information security in general. Now, when it comes to organizations measuring and monitoring whether their security controls are working, our respondents say that they are depending on internal or external risk analysis and compliance audits. Others say they hire outside firms or assign IT staff to attempt to gain unauthorized access to their systems. And then others are using internal metrics to monitor operation and effectiveness of controls. What do you think are the best ways organizations can measure or monitor whether their security controls are working? It's interesting to see the percentages in your survey, but it, it, this is not optional. A compliance audit and a security risk assessment are both required, and they're not required to do once. It's not a one-off. They're required to be done routinely, periodically. They can overlap significantly. I would argue that if you do a compliance audit and you find HIPAA security rule requirements that your organization is not meeting, it is most likely that that is also a security risk. If you don't have policies and procedures, really solid ones for dealing with terminations that will result in suspended access or halted access of an individual, and not just employees, but anybody that you've granted access to, a business partner, a business associate, whomever, then not only is that a non-compliance issue, but that's a security risk. So in general, this, the requirements in the HIPAA security rule represent reasonable security controls. So where a security control has not been implemented, that is likely a security risk. So there's a lot of overlap, 
but a security risk assessment also goes beyond what is strictly in the security rule. The HIPAA security rule says nothing about network security, perimeter security. There's no mention of firewalls and things like that. So both of those are required and they are distinct. I would say in terms of penetration tests, one of the options in the survey, hire an outside firm to attempt to gain unauthorized access. Penetration tests, at least attempting to penetrate any public IP addresses that belong to your organization should be a routine process. You might do it yourselves every other year and hire a professional in the years in between. That is not generally an extremely expensive effort. There are plenty of security companies across the country that specialize in that. They come in, they hit those public IP addresses, give you a report with recommendations. So it's a a very good confirmation that that aspect of your your network is uh, well configured and secure. It might find, let's say, a server that hasn't been patched or poor configuration and so on. So that's very important to do. But it is also important to recognize that is simply looking at one very small piece of the entire information security program as well as the whole risk landscape. That's important, but it's only a piece of it. So all of those things need to be done. Using internal metrics to monitor. Monitoring, of course, is required in any security program. It's an area where I think, again, many organizations fall down because, frankly, it is difficult and it takes resources. It's one thing to monitor logs, uh, although a lot of organizations I work with are not actually, uh, frankly, monitoring their logs. In some cases, this is outsourced to security specialists, which is fine, but monitoring behavior. One of the things that's not in the security rule, but that I recommend to all my clients, is a very simple checklist and a requirement that departments or areas need to do a security walk-around audit themselves, security and privacy. In a clinical setting, in a hospital or a doctor's office, walking around to make sure that papers aren't lying around, medical records aren't just left in a storage room, network closets are locked, physicians and other staff are logging off or locking computers before walking away. Very, very low-tech effort, but it's important to do because that's where a lot of problems occur. So that's something I strongly recommend as a monitoring uh, tactic. So I would say department heads or others should be required to perform it, and the security and privacy officers should uh, assume oversight of this together and periodically do their own to validate that the results coming back to them are, uh, are accurate. So that's something that's easy to do and should be being done in every organization, in my opinion. Now, when it comes to the level of confidence that healthcare organizations have in the security controls maintained by their business associates, respondents had mixed reactions. 33% had either high or somewhat high confidence, 43% were neutral, and 24% were some, had somewhat low confidence or low confidence in their business associates. 
How do you think that covered entities should go about ensuring that the security controls maintained by their business associates and their subcontractors are effective? First of all, in my experience, very few provider organizations really know what's going on in their business associates' uh, realm. The health plans or the health insurers and the large, uh, let's say, large pharmacies, these are big corporations, and they are uh, typically performing audits of their business associates. So they really do have some measure of what's going on with their business associates. On the other hand, I know of no hospitals or clinics or physician practices or those sorts of care organizations, care providers that are actually auditing their business associates or even asking initially, can we see some of your policies? Nothing. And I think it is because they are so overwhelmed with their own needs to get their own organization up to speed. So I have sympathy, but I think essentially dealing with the business associates is like dealing with the Wizard of Oz behind a screen. You have no idea. Increasingly, we are seeing some very big players become HIPAA business associates. Amazon, for example, Microsoft, they are now business associates to many HIPAA covered entities as well as their business associates. So they are subcontractors because they're typically doing a lot of hosting. But not only is it totally opaque, but usually when the small business associate is using Amazon, uh, Amazon says, here is our BA contract. We're willing to sign ours, but we aren't going to sign yours. So they're using their size and clout. So I think there is really no way that the business associate or covered entity dealing with some of these other BAs, downstream BAs, really knows what's going on. We have to take it on faith. There is a certain amount of literature. I don't mean to be picking on Amazon specifically. Uh, it's just coming to mind. There's a lot of information that Amazon will provide saying, we do this, we do that for backup and assurance and redundancy. And it all sounds wonderful. But we don't really know for sure what's going on. If you're dealing with a small mom and pop as a business associate, I would be very concerned because it's unlikely that they really have information security expertise and and understand security controls. So I think the whole BA question is a really tough challenge for covered entities or for many of them That if you're not a very large corporation. So I have sympathy, but I think we don't really know, and there's a lot of risk in our business associates. Thanks, Kate. I've been speaking to privacy and security expert Kate Borton. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.